What's up, everybody? I'm JJ John Dostromsky. And I'm Jason Goff. And if you haven't heard, The Ringer has gone local. I'm bringing the fire. I'm bringing the rain from the Big Apple with my show, New York, New York. And I'm repping Chi-Town with my new show, The Full Go on All Things Chicago. We've got episodes three nights a week with all the reaction to the local teams and guests. Plus bonus episodes around all the big games and storylines. So whether you're uptown, downtown, in the burbs, or a transplant. Make sure you follow New York, New York, and The Full Go on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Whether it's taking all your little ones to their sporting events or everybody getting together and taking a ride to the beach, the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure. With features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Hello, and welcome to the Ringer NBA Show. It's The Answer. I'm Chris Ryan. I'm joined, as always, by Sirit Sohi. What's up, Sirit? What's up, Chris? Uh, Today, we're talking about the Suns and the Warriors, who uh, played, obviously, on Tuesday night in one of the sort of minor classics of this of this NBA season as we get to the quarter point and they are playing again on Friday night so we're recording this on Thursday afternoon assuming that the Suns beat the Pistons tonight they will have won 18 in a row and what Devin Booker has termed no loss November as it bleeds into December and yeah it's very exciting you know as uh, many people probably already know that game on Tuesday was the first time in the history of the league that two teams from the same division played each other with uh, 850 or higher winning percentages after at least 20 games. That's a, a long way from Elias Sports Bureau of saying these were two really, really good teams playing at the height of their powers. It was a classic on Tuesday. I'm really looking forward to the return match. It's not really... I can't remember the last time we've had two two of these games in a week between the two top teams in the league. Can you? No, I, I, think, I think like what the Elias stat is trying to get at is that like this was kind of a playoff atmosphere yeah um it was just like first of all both teams really wanted to win um it was i wouldn't really necessarily call it a slugfest as much as it was just like you know like really precise defense on both sides um like both teams seemed like they really knew each other really well um and the like the warriors were also i mean this was something that really caught me off guard the Warriors are really upset about losing this game. Yeah. And yeah. that was something that, like, even at the height of, of like, you know, their 72-win run, um, they just didn't really seem to, to care when, you know, like, when the game was already kind of over, 
you wouldn't see them be like totally completely frustrated like i think the one game it ever was was like the one where the clay thompson meme emerged because it was like the first time ever that he looked upset about something i can't remember what the game was but like yes both teams really really cared and yeah. i think it was the best game of the season and i think we might have gotten like the best game of the season early um because i guess like booker's not going to play um in, in tonight's matchup it'll still be a good game but yeah this was this was exciting yeah and it's a classic i mean you know mm-hmm. I, I if you're if you want to call this a rivalry or if you want to just look at this as a matchup my my big takeaway watching this and, and i completely agree with you is like it was like the pinch me rivalry like pinch me this is really happening i'm not dreaming like and i think for both teams there's an element to that like mm-hmm. for the warriors they have now returned to prominence after a couple of years in the wilderness after kd and with all the injury ravaged seasons that they had and maybe some of the questionable personnel moves the Ubre junior era etc and for the suns you know like if you can go to the finals and still be a nobody believes in us team, they are that. You know what I mean? Like where mm-hmm. where I think that there was probably some cynicism. While it was like a feel good story, it was a, there was some cynicism about like yeah, well if AD plays, like are the Suns really going to the finals if AD is healthy in the playoffs, right? Like from last year, like there was a probably. little. You think so? Yeah, I think so. you think that the Suns could have beaten the Lakers if they had had AD healthy last year? Yeah, I mean, there's a reason this, like the Lakers were a seventh seed, and I think like some of. Some of the problems that they had really had nothing to do with AD, honestly. Like, there were rotation... Dis- I mean, what? like, we don't have to get into the Lakers. I, I, but let's do like, it. <laughs> let's let's, do yeah, it. I mean, I just, like, you know, there were rotation decisions in the playoffs that, you know, like, that Vogel made that made zero sense. And they couldn't shoot. That had nothing to do with AD. I mean, I guess he could have created more spacing, but they were getting wide-open shots. Like, that team had all the, like makings of the problems that this Lakers team has um this one is a little bit more explosive <laughs> yeah but <laughs> you mean the problems are more explosive or the team is more explosive the problems feel a little bit more explosive even like on the court yes. you know as far as explosive problems go I mean I don't know that Westbrook is you know that's that should be like the dictionary definition but yeah no let's get back let's get back to this so I was just I mean that was a long way of saying that um I I think that if you had told me even before the season or like even after the finals last season that in uh, like late November, we were going to be watching the two best teams in the league square off against one another and it was going to be Phoenix and Golden State and they would just be far and away, both in terms of the advanced metrics and record and eye test and just vibe check, the stories of the season would be these runaway, these runaway teams I would have been like, I don't know. It's going to take a little while. They're waiting for Clay to get back. The whole Warriors thing is stay afloat until they they get Clay or maybe make a trade in the midseason. And the Suns, you know, they just played a long season. And can Chris Paul stand up? And they didn't pay Aiton. And the Sarver thing, it's going to have a cloud around the whole team for the whole season. And despite all those things, these teams are the elite of the league. I thought we could get into some of the stuff that we saw on Tuesday, some of the stuff that we're looking forward to on Friday. But big picture... I mean, I know that you probably aren't going like, to be like, and now I know this that I didn't know the day before. But did you leave that game ha- with any huge takeaways that you want to share? I think because of the playoff environment, because of the care factor of both teams, and just some of the adjustments that we th- saw throughout the game, um, which we can get into, there are some takeaways. I think the biggest one just being that the Warriors are actually going to have a real challenge with this team. Every single thing we say about this obviously comes with a caveat that that Clay wasn't playing and and uh, and Iguodala also. I thought 
I thought Iguodala could have had like an outsized impact on this on this game and really could in a in a series. Like I feel like he's kind of like one of the better um, Chris Paul neutralizers or like Chris Paul understanders um, yeah. out there. But yeah, like let's start let's start there. I thought Chris Paul just really like picked apart the Warriors in this way. Like and it remind like what you said about pinch me rivalry. Like I really felt that because like. I just felt like all of the years that that Chris Paul has like struggled against this team um, has like almost been there and is now like kind of cleaned up a few things that I think he needed to clean up in order to like beat a team like the Warriors, Um, whether that's like just off the court with, you know, the way he, you know, handled his teammates and and everything or even just like relinquishing some things on the court, becoming more of like a score first player. And this team too is is uh, in his sort of image, but yeah, like it was just it was really almost nice to watch him pick apart the Warriors because I don't know I, I don't really even know what I'm getting at except for like I had this moment where like for the first time in my life I really felt myself like rooting for Chris Paul <laughs> against a team like the Warriors. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least like again against a team like the Warriors, like I it just. I, I've started to have like a soft feeling towards Chris Paul. I was like, man, like this guy has been like, he should get a ring. Yeah. He should just get a ring. That's just what I was feeling. Like, I just feel like I might, I might have, I think my biggest realization was like emotional investment in Chris yes. Paul for the first time in my life. That that makes personally. total sense. I <laughs> yeah, think that for yeah. the last, this last like post Clippers part of Chris Paul's career, there's always been a clock ticking whether it is the clock that ticks with his uh him wearing out his welcome at a place whether it's because he you know there is like a a finite amount of time i feel like guys like to play with chris paul at a point and then there comes a point where they're like this is just i can't get yelled at for not rotating or making a cut or doing whatever or it's like yeah you know like whether you know we can't pay chris paul again at this age so we need to move him on and that's sort of what happened with the houston oklahoma and then phoenix situations so there's there's been a feeling of like he's got like a he's like transient like he's going to be moving through the league Mm -hmm. and now he gets to phoenix like you said a team very much built in his own image he's obviously sharing a brain with monty williams and then we underrate the fact that you know, he comes from Oklahoma City, he goes to Phoenix, they make it to the finals. It seems like it was all, you know, in the stars. But this is like their, I feel like this is almost like their first real season together. And you can see some of the continuity paying off. There's a play on Tuesday at the end of the second half where he finds, Aiton's essentially being triple covered. Uh, he's got Curry and Wiggins kind of draped on his back. And Draymond is fronting him, but kind of sagging. He's, he's also cheating out towards Chris Paul, who's out on the wing. And Chris Paul just fires like a hip pass through two guys to Aiton who dunks it. And you're just like, well, I don't know if he would have made that pass last year. I'm sure there are examples of him doing that, but there felt like it felt like there was almost like we have been playing this jazz for a little while now. And I know when you're going to go and I know when I'm going to stop. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's what it is. I think it's like it's kind of the same feeling you get watching the Warriors, like not not as exciting, but it's nice to see somebody thrive doing exactly what they were designed to do. Like he has figured out like, you know, like a pass like that, he's figured out his teammates. um, And now they're just kind of finding like the next gear of their chemistry and all the players that were like learning to, you know, play not necessarily completely in his image, but you know, like I think the, the way that the Phoenix offense is tailored 
um, like definitely suits a player like Chris Paul, like just, you know, like how pick and roll heavy it is. So now naturally, like you have players like Miles Bridges who are starting to run their pick and roll more because like that's how that's how you're going to grow within this offense. Um, and it's just like it's built in the same style as it's built with like, the same intention in mind, I think, actually, as Steph and the Warriors, where you pair a team and a system and like the personnel in order to like basically like take on the entire identity of the best player. Right. Um, so like, you know, with the Warriors, it's like, you have like the dream on side of it, of, like a, just a bunch of really physical guys, good screeners, um, that'll switch and defend. And then like, you know, you've got like the emergence of, of Jordan Poole on the other end, who's like learning to play a little bit more like Steph and Clay. And it's just, that was, that was probably like what was so fun about watching this game because it was like two completely different styles that, First of all, like the Suns really just got the Warriors out of theirs, um, but they're uniquely theirs, and like they both just hit this point of of mastery where, like, you know, like the the Warriors can go into a triangle and two when when sure. they want to, and and the Suns like can just get into a zone and and like just muck, muck things up in the per- perimeter for for the Warriors, and yeah, it was just I mean it was it was like a kind of like really ugly symphony. Yeah, I mean it was almost in some play- ways I I thought I was, it felt like watching really great football where coaches are taking away the other team's favorite play favorite player like that they are trying to neutralize like you could just see that entire game and i'll be so fascinated to see what the difference is between playing in phoenix and playing in in uh the bay you could see ayton and bridges just blowing up that draymond steph pick and roll over and over and over again Mm -hmm. or maybe not blowing it up at least like making it as uncomfortable as i've ever seen anyone make it and whether that was like monty williams's like grand design in the first place or not it was just like, okay, so we've eliminated this. Now it's going to be up to Otto Porter and Andrew Wiggins and Jordan Poole to beat us. And Jordan Poole did his best in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it was really like once Steph is kind of taken out of things on the offensive side, the Warriors are still probably that clay-shaped figure away from mm-hmm. being like the the like odds-on title favorites. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think that's what kind of – this was the first time this season that I thought – Oh, like they're they're gonna need clay. Yeah, and like and Wiggins had back spasms, I know, and like we can mm-hmm. we can do the whole like bean counter thing where it's like, well, Booker was out, but then Wiggins was hurt, but Clay wasn't there, but this, but that, but you know, I mm-hmm. sorry, go ahead, I just wanted to point that out. I think there's actually some, even though he had the spasms, I think there is like a kernel of of insight into his struggles because I think what the what the Suns did really well because they took away the the Curry Draymond pick and roll was that they forced the young players to make decisions against like a defense that wasn't tilted and then it just became like Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins in the pick and roll trying to like trying to trick a guy like Aiton yeah which is just not going to happen so you had like a lot of you had some pull up jumpers and like you know Poole is still he is still even you know it doesn't have to be the Suns he's still in, in a place where he's figuring out his game and he's making some like over aggressive decisions sometimes under aggressive decisions sometimes and that exposed like another one of the Warriors I guess not it not weaknesses but yeah, it's, it's, it, it is a weakness in that like you know these young guys they still aren't all the way there like sure. it's worked out it's worked out because it, like they're still really good and and like you know I have some faith that they'll get there by the end of the season but 
they still have to get there. Yeah. And they still have to get Clay back. And like, you know, a guy like Iguodala still has to be healthy. And those were the ifs that like, I was starting to feel more like questions again. Yes. And like we had this moment where we were caught up in like the Warriors inevitability almost. And I still feel like they'll figure most of those things out. Um, but like this team can actually beat them. Sure. Oh, absolutely. Did you feel like watching Aiden? Because I wanted to get into the Aiden mm-hmm. part. Was that uh, a testament to Aiden, which I think it was, and it mm-hmm. could be both things, but was it a testament to Aiden or was it, hey, the Warriors are thin up front and like this is what happens when you've got a really determined, really skilled big man who's getting basically like basketball Hall of Fame level service in the post and he's and he's like getting to the rim at will. He's cleaning up on the boards, all this stuff. Like, did you feel like that was all Aiden, or did you feel like that was a, um, that was a, a flaw basically in the Warriors' construction, where it's like it's essentially Draymond and that's it down low. I think it's a little bit of both. Um, you know, I think I think Looney has like really emerged as somebody who can handle a lot of the bigger matchups this season. You know, it felt like he's always been really great, great on switches against stronger players. But there were a couple this season where like you kind of thought like, okay, he's he's going to struggle or the Warriors are going to struggle down low. Um, and he's really like up the physicality. But I think this was kind of always going to be a fundamental issue with the Warriors. Um, but it's an issue that most teams have. Like Aiton kills everyone. And like, you know, they struggle with, with Jokic, who's another guy who's going to do that to everybody, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just, to me, that's just like kind of a reality of, of playing the Suns. Like, you know, in last year's playoffs, Aiton did not get shut down until the finals, until it was Brooke Lopez and Giannis and attrition and, like, having to handle those guys on the other side and just, like, you know, one of just one of the most physical defenses I've I've seen in a really sure. long time. Um, so that's just, you know, that just is what it is. Like, he's he's going to be really patient in the post. Like, he knows he has a size advantage. He knows he has a touch, touch advantage. Like, he is... deceptively strong and like you know he's he's really athletic and energetic and he's a menace on the boards and i think like the biggest thing is like we learned about this about eight in the playoffs but like he matches physicality like they are not going to punk him it's not going to be a situation where like you know eight looks like a skinny seven footer and like you know draymond can get into his head and like he'll get frustrated and, and and like you know i'm sure those moments will happen over the course of a seven game series but like for the most part, this has been a guy where when he gets challenged physically, like he ups the ante himself. Yeah. You know, I with him, I suppose there were some questions about, you know, when he didn't get paid at the beginning of the season, whether or not his focus was going to be there. And mm-hmm. if anything, I think he looks even better than he did in the playoffs last year yeah you know and it's it's like an all-time ego death by the way (laughs) for this guy no really like number one pick um and then like the whole he gets like 2010 all year but all he has to hear about is how like he's not two guys yeah Yeah, he's not luca he's not trey the sons are gonna regret it forever like the igor stuff like they should have taken Doncic. why didn't they take him um and then like he has to just like within that has to like just stop, you know, trying to score because mm-hmm. the Suns need him to turn into like a defensive god, and he does it, which yeah. is like you know a testament to skill, but also like well, and then he doesn't get paid. Yeah, and he's not out there on the perimeter like when we were watching him on Tuesday night. That's not like uh, <laughs> I mean I don't know. I mean, he's guarding Steph out on the perimeter when they switch that, and uh, Bridges takes Draymond, and then. DeAndre Ayton is essentially in charge of one of the 
greatest scorers in the NBA history. Mm-hmm. And Steph had an off night, but Steph was also like a lot of people have pointed out, Steph was getting rushed by rangy long defenders in a way mm-hmm. that very few other teams can send against him. Did you think that um are Bridges and Aiton so unique in their defensive qualities that there is no blueprint to that? That's just talent versus talent? Or did you think that there was any hey, you can blow that Draymond Steph pick and roll up. Like you can get into Steph's comfort zone a little bit with a guy like Aiton. Did you think that there's anything to learn if you're a, like a Vogel, if you're an opposing coach looking to, to game plan against the Warriors? Because like that one thing I will say about this game, and you, you said, you know, it felt like a playoff game afterwards. It did a lot of the quotes coming from Steph, from Kerr, from Monty, from a lot of the people co- involved in the game were like, it almost felt like there was enough, so much film prep, it felt like game four or five of a series where they were like, well, we knew they were going to do this, so we were going to do this, and then they were going to countermeasure our countermeasure. It seemed so strategic. It gave me, like, to, to the point of the the defense on Steph, like, it gave me kind of vibes of, of like, the Thunder um, just using a bunch of size and physicality in 2016 in the playoffs oh, yeah. against against yeah. Steph, um, you know, just like a guy like guy like Roberson who can really bother him um like this isn't you know there are situations where Steph has trouble and then it's fine um and like you know that could happen like he could just come out tomorrow and it's like you know he's just like he just drops 40 on them like I think I think with Steph it's like they definitely got him out of his comfort zone but throughout the course of a series and as he gets like more shots at a team like he hasn't had he hasn't had a lot of reps against like this this new contender, right? Um, like he finds a new comfort zone, and he like he he tends to like solve most most uh, defenses throughout the course of a series. Uh, but at the same time, like this is not like Matthew Dellavedova, sure. right? Like this is like um, like they 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 have like they they figured out a way to um, like it was like to me the str- the thing that was most tr- troubling about Steph's performance was not the fact that he was four for twenty one, it was that he was minus seventeen. Yeah, um, he has not been that low this season. As a podcast, we should get super into single game plus minus. Yeah, no, I <laughs> just like that's the single Dude, most I'm, important I'm, statistic. I'm, I'm on one right should now. We, <laughs> should we zag back to single game plus minus? Twelve points, four for twenty one field goal percentage. <laughs> these are th- these are the numbers that matter. Single game plus minus field exactly. goal percentage. Exactly, exactly. I did check his uh, his net rating. It was a it was a negative twenty one. Um, but most of the time, when when Steph has a bad game, or if you take him out of the offense, like the Warriors find a way to neutralize that, and he ends up having like a pretty good plus minus, whether it's like you know over the course of a season or 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 in a single game. Um, and that is some something where like I think you know when you get Clay back, like you know. So, they shaded off of him, like you know, off of like off of Gary Payton, or I think like mm-hmm. you know, even at times Jordan Poole, um, who you know ended up running quite a lot of this game. Um, you know, if that's Clay in that situation, like that's just going to look different. Like you might not even necessarily be able to use that scheme. Uh, but in general, I think that like what the Suns did really well was that they didn't cheat. They switched smart and they didn't let him cut back door. Like that's usually that's usually the key with Curry. Like when he's being defended by like players that are denying him the ball, like which which Mikhail was, is that he can just cut back door on them. But Mikhail is like he's really long and he's really smart and he's really fast. 
so he can keep up with him. And they were really trying to, too. And, like, Cam Johnson kind of has similar characteristics. And then, like, in the... Like, I think in the second half, they were just kind of, like... There was really good communication where, for the most part, Aiton and Mikhail weren't switching um, the pick and roll on Steph. But in the instances where they couldn't, Aiton would just hightail it from, like, the low post, like... First, just really impressed with speed and control and, you know, give Steph issues. And that was, like, those those two for the whole game were, like, kind of the main factors. But um, the thing that was interesting to me, too, was just that, like, it was all kind of interchangeable as well. Mm-hmm. Where, like, multiple defenders kind of got a shot at him and multiple defenders kind of got, like, a shot at, um, you know, being, like, being the help, too. Um, but yeah, I just, I just thought it was really smart, you know, like just take the ball out of his hands and like make the rest of the guys beat you. Like that's usually like, you know, it's usually, it's usually just not like that easy of a bargain though. So like that's, that's where the clay factor and like the, the improvement of the young guys comes in. It was a Wiggins litmus game too, because I think if you had any, if you wanted to be at all cynical about the Warriors start, which I'm not, I'm, I'm a true believer. I think they're, that they looked in any single game, like think they they look like the best basketball team in the league this season, but I they've they've played some 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 cupcakes. Like they they have not had like the strongest strength of schedule. I think that they've gotten to play the Thunder a few times, the Rockets a few times, and like you know the the, the games that they've had so far has not been like a gauntlet. And I would say the same thing. Phoenix's run that they've been on. I mean, they've done it's a really impressive one, and like they're starting to get up into close to 20 games unbeaten you start to talk about this team being like not just good this season but historically good but I was kind of thinking with Wiggins you just want to see it in the biggest moment right you want to see that 30 point outburst in like a moment where they need it yeah. to happen it's like not about his personal just, revenge right exactly like it's like or they need to somehow get him traded from every single team in the league so that he can he can have that motivation um, did you notice anything from Wiggins's game here that gave you pause that made, made you concerned at all? Or did you just feel like this was one of those nights where he got erased a little bit? Yeah. I mean, I think if this is, he's going to come up against the limits of like his decision-making ability, I guess. Right. And that's, you know, we'll see where he, he goes from there. Um, he could continue to grow, but you know, I think somebody who can keep up with him like Aiton can is just going to like be incentivized to give him the the shot every time and I think from there it just becomes a matter of like can Wiggins attack Aiton like that should he um and like the answer with him tends to just be like sometimes you know (laughs) like that's just that's just how it goes but I think um one of the issues was just that he was put in a position to make decisions um and that's where I think that they really missed uh missed Iguodala Cause like he's kind of like the essentially like the point guard for for the second unit, um, and while like the second unit made made runs in the second and fourth without without Steph, it was mostly it was mostly defense oriented, and they just kind of looked like for the most part in their half court offense like they looked they looked really ugly. So yeah, I think I think it's just getting those get, getting Iguodala back would kind of change. Like it kind of just shows you how important he is, I guess. I thought the the, the Booker absence was like really notable yeah. because that's that's supposed to be the gut punch 
we give up a nine nothing run or you know maybe it was almost good that it happened towards the end of the second quarter so that they could go into the locker room and kind of take stock mm-hmm. and realize this guy just did his hamstrings so he's probably not coming back out but you, you, i've seen other teams lose a player that just winds up sucking the air out of the building and like it's it wasn't like they didn't miss a step but they certainly did not ever look like they they were intimidated after booker's loss like the absence of booker it's been it's been a different kind of season for the Suns this year because I I almost think because because the finals I've been taught to like look at this team more holistically than just mm-hmm. as like Booker has a better backcourt partner and now and now is like that it's still his team it feels like it feels like a very classically great NBA team we've talked about this before about how these guys all sort of fit different platonic ideals of their position they do things in a very sp- specialist kind of way. How big of it? I mean, like, can you quantify the absence of Booker if he's gone for ten days, two weeks? Like, do do, do you think that that this team misses that big of a step? Um, yeah, like I don't know. I feel like as long as it's not a major injury, I'm kind of with you. Where I look at it a little bit more holistically, like I don't really as you know, to me, it's like you guys are already eighteen and three. If you lose every game with Booker, oh, I don't <laughs> care. I really don't. Like, who gives a shit? Yeah. Honestly. Um, like give a bunch of touches to Miguel, Mikhail Bridges and, and Cam and let, you know, let's see, let's see what Aiton looks like in the post without Booker's gravity. Like, you know, I think it's, they're, they're a team where everything's an opportunity. Like they're not really in a position where any of this really matters. Everything's gravy from here. You know, it's December. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 PM and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps from Arby's come in. Available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Arby's two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A-game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Something interesting is happening on Friday. Uh, and you know, we've obviously talked about Tuesday night's game extensively here. It's still hanging with us. I wanted to like, there, there are other games from this week that, that I found in- intoxicating. Mm-hmm. Like the, the Bucks Hornets game was amazing. And there have been other really cool moments. I, I just thought that Sixers Celtics game was just like, 
so aesthetically pleasing, uh, you know, just even as a neutral, you know, but also just like so heartwarming to see where those two franchises are. Uh, but, you know, we have this Friday night clash between the Warriors and the Suns that ESPN flexed into the national game, taking the two LA, the, the battle for LA mm-hmm. out of the, the spot. I honestly did not know that you that the NBA did this, especially this early in the season, um, which if, if this is a possibility, I would ask, mm-hmm. like, can we just do, and with all due respect to Brandon Ingram, like the, any non-Zion Pelicans games, can we get out of national television for the sake of humanity? Yeah, uh, I actually did a rating story about this uh, last year, and they have started to flex out games, like, They've been doing it since last season, I think. Was it like a pandemic thing? Like a kind of a wrinkle that happened after that? Or was it just, they've just started getting a little bit more creative? I don't know the reason. I imagine it is just like they realized that there was a natural problem with like the load management. And, you know, sometimes you predict that one team's going to be really good. And then like, it just like, it makes it a little bit different. Like I was... the my kind of premise with it was that the schedule kind of makes it hard for like stories, new storylines to emerge mm-hmm. because the surprise team just doesn't get on national TV. But yeah, so that's something that they started to do, but it's like, it's also something that's a little bit more difficult than say like, you know, like the NFL does it all the time. Um, and I think, I can't remember exactly why, but I think it's just something with like the, the logistics of it, but they're trying to, they're basically like, they're doing it more and they're trying to do it more. Right. Yeah. And I, I, but I thought that that was, um, you know, there's nothing, I'm sure the Lakers Clippers game will be like fascinating in its own right, but there is a real like, uh, of the moment urgency to Warriors Suns. And it reminded me like when mm-hmm. I was watching Warriors Nets a couple of weeks ago, which I think even going into it while there was all those storylines with Durant facing his former team and the Nets kind of trying to, you know, the Nets are like the worst best team where they're like, they're just comfortably at the top of the Eastern conference. But I feel like if you only based it on like what people said about the Nets, you'd think they were at 500. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Watching that game. And it was like kind of apparent pretty early on that the Nets were like, eh, we'll take a mulligan on this Mm -hmm. one. And that is, that is like the death knell. Like I don't think the NBA can, can really tolerate those kinds of games for that much longer. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously they can't control what happens, but they can kind of, if they've got a good thing like they do here with the Suns and the Warriors, I think it's like really right for them to to t- kind of put it out front and center as much as they can. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like they have to, right? Like this is Steph being back has just been, or the Warriors being back have been like a ratings boost for the NBA. Um, there was like a thing that came out, I think like two, two weeks ago about the, like the Warriors. I think they where, like, the top-viewed game, like, three out of five or something like that. And, like, you know, we know this. You don't even, like, you don't need evidence to to know that people flock to Steph Curry. Uh, we're, we're aware of this. Um, right. But, yeah, like, I, th- I think I think it's great because I think it just allows these things to, like, naturally emerge. Like, this can now kind of, like, it's not going to be, it's not a rivalry yet, but when you get, like, a two-game series where, like, you know there's going to be adjustments, like, they probably... Like, the Warriors were really upset about losing. I think they probably will really want to win on Friday. I um, think they'll tag them on Friday, and that's why it's that much cooler that they're playing on Christmas. Yeah. Because they, they play the rubber match on Christmas. Yeah. yeah. And then you get, like, you kind of have three marquee matchups already, and then, like, 
you probably like you hopefully get a playoff series, but if you get one, you already have like a little bit of a baseline to work off. Which of. is the thing that the league needs. Like that's like the, that. I mean, like I I was even watching last night, you know, with the with the Hornets and the Bucks. And speaking of pinch me, I was just like, this is like this is like Lamelo is gonna will these guys to win. This is pretty mm-hmm. amazing. But I was like, I cannot. I really would love to see a Bucks Hornets, like whether it's a first round series, like that would be incredible. Like if they all go into that relatively he- healthy, I was like, this the the league needs more like naturally occurring rivalries or like matchups like this. I love the idea of Lamelo Ball's like final boss to get to an NBA championship being Giannis. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if he's gone through enough levels yet. If we're talking in terms of video well, games, you know, well, yeah, everybody, every great player has. Well, not everyone, but like you know, there's a lot of great players that have the guy that they couldn't figure out for a really long time. And I think Lamelo and Giannis just pre- present like such a wonderful contrast to each other. It was also just like Lamelo just didn't like the thing, and this this that you saw this a lot with the players in the Suns Warriors game, but like Lamelo didn't know any better than to be like to be scared or to be intimidated by the the fact that they was playing against the champs. You know, like it was just like I will I'm I'm gonna take this game to them like every single time down the floor, and there was really nothing they could do because if they they closed out on him, he was just throwing these like absolutely telepathic yeah. passes. Lamelo not really being an NBA fan turning out to be like the best thing for his NBA career is just like the, it's so good. <laughs> yeah, the Bucks. I'm not familiar with their work. Um, do you want to do a prediction uh, that will be saved in t- for time and memoriam on this on this podcast for Friday night's Warriors Suns clash? Sure, yeah, let's do it. Um, okay, what do you think? Yeah, I think I think uh, yeah, I think Steph's gonna have a better game. No Booker. I think the Warriors will win. I think Golden State because the Phoenix will be coming off a Detroit game. They won't have Booker. I think that that there will be a little edge to the Warriors, and I think we'd set this up for a really, really good Christmas Day matchup. Sarah, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Chris. 